invite you to turn in your Bibles with me for this morning's scripture reading to Hebrews chapter 13. I'll begin reading at verse 7 to verse 17. We're using a pew Bible that can be found on page 1197. Hebrews chapter 13, beginning at verse 7. Let us now hear God's word. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the camp, outside the gate, in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured." For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. As far as the reading of God's holy word, let's ask his blessing in a time of prayer. O Father in heaven, we pray that the words of your servant's mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Verse 17 will be our text for this morning's sermon, congregation. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Think about it for a moment. From the time you and I were born, we were placed under someone's authority. Parents, Maybe foster parents. You were placed under someone's authority. And when you got a little bit older to go to school, you were placed, obviously still under your parents' authority, but you went to school and you were placed under authority there. You go to the workplace, you're placed under someone's authority. We're not lone rangers, in other words. We're called to submit and obey someone's authority. God established institutions, and with the creation of institutions came positions of leadership and positions of authority. Even the angels have archangels. Positions of authority. God instituted marriage in the family. 
And we'll be looking at in an evening sermon series, beginning this evening, on God's blueprint for the family. God instituted marriage in the family, and he ordained that the man be head of the wife and the home. In governments, there are leaders who possess God-given right to exercise authority over citizens. In the church, there are leaders who have the God-given right to exercise authority and rule over the household of God, keeping good order in the church, pursuing the purity of doctrine and life, purity and peace of the church. This is God's design. This is God's design. It's not man's innovation. It's not man's creation. It's the way that God designed it to be. But the human nature, because of the fall, because of sin, we oppose anything that is over us. I mean, think of the title, Obey and Submit to Your Leaders. Is there any snarking going on in your mind and heart? <laughs> Kidding me? It comes right from the text. I mean, think about the age and day in which we live now. Anarchy. No higher position of leadership. No one to rule over another. This morning we witnessed the installation of men into their respective office of elder or deacon. Like every other Christian, they are sinful men saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I think we need to remember that. They are men who need grace. They need God's wisdom. They need mercy. They need help. Just like you, congregation, just like me. And yet there are men who have been called and set apart by Christ for a very unique calling. A very unique office in the life of the church. You see, by His Spirit, He worked in such a way in this congregation to elect these men to lead you. Think about that for a moment. The Holy Spirit of the living God worked in the life of this church to set apart these men to be installed to this office to serve the Lord Jesus Christ who is king and to serve and minister to you and me. In our text, the Bible commands the church, the people of God, to obey and submit to your leaders. What does this entail? What does this mean? But surely it means it's the church's responsibility and duty 
to place herself under the authority of Christ through her leaders. To obey and submit to Christ means that we are called to obey and submit to our leaders who are representatives of King Jesus in the church. I want to look at three things this morning, three points as we consider this, these commands, obey and submit to your leaders. First is the meaning of the commands, obey and submit. The meaning of these commands, what, what, what does this mean for us? Interestingly, the word obey has the, the meaning of to trust in or to have confidence in another person who is over you. That's the unique meaning of this word obey that the author of Hebrews uses. And behind that trust and confidence that you have in your leaders is that you have been persuaded. There's persuasion involved. I have been persuaded that these men have been placed in authority over me and therefore I trust in them. I have confidence in them in their calling and work and labor. And so the obedience isn't blind. It's not blind obedience. It's obedience that is based and grounded in a persuasion of the heart. And in our context, the heart of this congregation has been persuaded to have confidence in these men. And the Holy Spirit has moved this congregation to appoint and elect these men to this office. And because they are representatives of Jesus, we ought to have confidence in them. Obey your leaders. Have confidence in your leaders. They are servants of Jesus. They are still sinners and prone to all kinds of struggles and trials just like you and me. And yet Christ still calls them, ordains them, and sends them into his church to serve you, the sheep. I can't tell you how many countless times you hear from an elder and deacon, I don't even feel worthy for this position. And it's usually after a sermon like this or some other sermon on being an elder or deacon. <laughs> well, after that, Pastor, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> You're right, on your own strength you can't. That's why you always look to the calling. And you look to God's help. Obey your leaders. And there's a second command. What's the meaning of the second command? Submit, or literally be submissive to them. Or we can say be submissive to their authority. This word, be submissive, is the first time this word is used in the New Testament. The only time it's used in the New Testament. Tonight we'll look at wives, be, submit yourselves to your husbands. Here's a different word. The author uses a different word. It is used in extra-biblical literature in those days. 
Homer used it. What does it mean? What does it mean? This word submit means to yield. To yield to the authority of your elders. When the elders promote peace and purity of word and doctrine, purity of life and practice, the elders take the church on a course. The truth of God's word, the doctrines of the Christian faith, and we're calling the people of God, just like coming onto an expressway, to yield. Follow our teaching. Come along the path that God has appointed for us. And so he even here, it's not a blind submission to authority. It's a submission to God's word. Whom the leaders of the church, the elders of the church, and oftentimes the deacons of the church have oversight of that word to God's people. So as they lead, and we're called to submit, to yield, or be subject to their teaching, don't stray. Don't resist. Don't come into, your, into the lane and then bounce off into the side of the road. That's why in verse 7, if you look in your Bible with me, chapter 13, verse 7, he talks about the past leaders. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. It's all centered around the word. They spoke the word and they lived the word. And so essentially you're... You and I are called to be obedient to the word as the elders and oftentimes deacons engage in that word ministry to call us back to that word. Why are they able to do this? Why are they called to do this? Because of the authority of Jesus Christ, the authority of King Jesus. King Jesus gives them the authority to do this. And we see this in the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He gives the command to his disciples, to the church, to her leaders to do this work of discipleship. By way of illustration, and now illustrations fall short, so don't make much of it. But get to the main point here of the illustration. A soldier visits his doctor on the military base. He says, doctor, I'm struggling with an addiction, and I need help. I need you to deliver me. What can you give me so I can stop this chronic addiction that's hindering me from doing that which you've called me, or that's which the military is calling me to do? The doc says to the soldier, the young soldier, Soldier, 
Look on my lapel. What do you see? You see two bars here? What does that mean? What do they represent? The soldier says, well, that means you're a captain. That's right. You're a captain. What are you? I'm a private. I'm a private. The captain says, I order you, as your commanding officer, to stop, to turn from it. He didn't take out his prescription pad. He didn't go to his medicine chest. What did he do? He counseled the private based on what? His authority. He based his counsel on his authority. I'm captain, you're private. Now don't read into the uh, illustration too much. Just get to the point of what the captain's able to give that counsel to the private. The idea of authority. And so God gives leaders to the church. They have a particular role that they are called to fulfill. And we are called to submit, to yield to that. And so when they come to us, or when we are wayward in doctrine or life, will we heed their counsel? Will we heed their Admonition, will we heed their wisdom? Church leaders instruct and discipline in the word of God with the authority of Christ. Therefore, the command to obey and submit is for our good and for his glory. Are there times that leaders get, might get it wrong? Yes. Other times when leaders abuse and misuse the office? Yes. Sadly, so. And that is heartbreaking. Did you notice the last vow that they had to give an answer to? The last vow was this. Do you promise to walk in all godliness and submit to the government of the church in all things pertaining to your office. Even these men are accountable to each other and to Christ. So that there, if there is misuse and abuse, they are held accountable. That's why there's the importance of the plurality of elders. A council of elders and deacons. We hold each other accountable. Well, that was the meaning for the command, the reason for the command, and it's explicit in the text. It's clear. For there is the re here is the responsibility to the people. For the author says, they are keeping watch over your souls. Now here he used figurative language. The, the, the word for keeping watch is actually no sleeping. No sleeping. But it's figurative. It's, 
It's used as a figure of speech. That they are keeping watch over your souls. Notice the personal aspect. Your souls. They provide spiritual care. That is their concern. Your relationship with Jesus. Your walk with Jesus. That's their concern. And God calls the deacons to care for the spiritual, yes, the spiritual care of God's people, but to have an eye out, to have an ear out for those who are in financial need. Mercy ministry, to care for the physical needs of people. You bring up the word elder or deacon and all of a sudden you think, oh no, the Gestapo wants me. They're not the CIA, they're not the FBI or other government organization or institutions. They're not called to lord it over people. No, they are called to care as a shepherd cares for the sheep, for your souls, for your spiritual well-being. They exercise soul care. That's their concern. That's how they lead. And let us remember that they are under shepherds who take their orders and serve the great shepherd of the sheep who shepherds you perfectly. Okay? The good shepherd, the great shepherd, exercises his ministry perfectly. That's why we put not our trust in men, but in him, the good shepherd, We are called to simply point them to him, right, men? To point them to him, the good and great shepherd. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker of the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Being examples to the flock. Examples in a way that the flock wants to imitate your faith in Jesus, your faith in his word. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And so for the, re- the reason for the command first is that they keep watch over the souls of God's people. But notice that they will also give an account. You see that in the text? They're keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. To whom will they give an account? To each other? To you? Yeah, there's a level of accountability in in that. But ultimately, to whom? To King Jesus, who is head of the church. They are ultimately, first and foremost, accountable to Jesus. And here we have... New or Old Testament teaching coming out here. If you're taking notes, Ezekiel chapter uh, chapter 3. Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 16 and following. 
We read at verse 17 of Ezekiel chapter 3, The Son of Man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way, in order to save his life, that wicked person shall die for his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, or from his wicked way, he shall die for his iniquity, but you will have delivered your own soul. Do you see the weightiness of the office? Do you see why they need prayer? Why they need God's help and strength? Now ultimately the fulfillment is in the great watchman of God's sheep, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank God for that. That he neither slumbers nor sleeps. That he is always watching over the souls of his children, his sheep, the sheep of his pasture. But nevertheless, he places watchmen in his church. And so leaders, look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Look to him for help and strength and guidance and wisdom. And when you fall, when you fall short, you come to the watchman of your own soul. Seeking his mercy, his forgiveness, his cleansing. He's faithful to forgive just like he forgives all the sheep because you're his sheep too. You're his sheep too. The reason for the commands, he keeps watch, or they keep watch over your souls, and they have to give an account. The result. Thirdly, what's the fruit of obedience? What's the fruit of obedience? Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. The fruit of obedience is joyful servants on the part of the leaders. A fruitful ministry. When the church obeys and submits willingly to her leaders, the leaders know and experience joy in the ministry. But also it's advantageous to you and me. It's advantageous to the rest of the church. Because the leadership can serve the congregation joyfully and more effectively in the ministry of word and prayer and in Christian mercy and service. For example, when you have a child who likes to groan and grumble, if one child doesn't obey and submit to parents, then it isn't advantageous for the rest of the children, is it? For the rest of the household, because the parents are focusing on the one child when the other children could be neglected. Or if employees complain and groan to the employer, the performance of the employer diminishes and affects the rest of the office. How about more of a biblical example? How about Moses when he led the people out of Egypt? And they crossed the Red Sea. They saw the mighty works of God and they saw that God was working through Moses, the leader of God's people. But what did they do in the wilderness? They bickered and complained and grumbled. And then 
Moses, in anger, sinned against God. And that's why he wasn't allowed to enter the promised land. The author of Hebrews is pretty direct here. He shows the weighty responsibility of the leaders, but he also shows the weighty responsibility of the congregation. It's both. It's both. An uncharitable and difficult attitude towards your leaders is unproductive and unprofitable. And this attitude can actually prevent the church from doing effective ministry when it burdens its leaders. A couple of closing points of application. We need to be reminded that these are but men. And we need to, do, we need to exercise charity love towards them as you would a fellow Christian. And leaders, that holds true for us as well. We need to be charitable. We need to love God's sheep as Christ loves them. As Christ loves them. You see, it's both ways. It's both ways. We need to willingly obey and submit our leaders because they are ambassadors of Jesus Christ they speak his word on his behalf. We need to also willingly obey and submit to our leaders because believers need accountability and spiritual oversight. And this is why we practice Christ, or, um, uh, church membership. Because what is church membership? As a Christian, we join ourselves to Christ's church and we place ourselves under authority of Christ's office bearers to hold us accountable to instruct us to point us to Jesus Paul says after he enumerates the qualifications of elders and deacons he writes I hope to come to you soon but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of truth. That's where spiritual oversight and accountability takes place. Third, let us practice prayer. Congregation, pray for these brothers. Brothers, pray for your parishes. Pray for your congregation, whom Christ appointed you to be overseers, to be deacons, Servants of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. O oh, Father in heaven, we give you thanks, O oh Lord, that you are merciful and gracious and bounding in steadfast love that. You forgive us and have mercy upon us when we in our respective callings in life fall short of submitting to those in authority over us. We can know your forgiving love and mercy and, and 
be reconciled to our brother or sister. We know, O oh Lord, that your word is truth and that your word leads, leads us and guides us and shows us what order in the church ought to look like. And so we appeal to your word. We appeal to the ways in which you prescribe the way in which the church should be instructed and how the church should live out their faith and what the church should believe concerning the doctrines of the Christian faith. And we thank you for men that you ordained to do a calling that is seemingly impossible, insurmountable. But by your grace and strength, it is possible. Because you, O oh Lord, by your spirit and word, lead and guide your church in a way that is pleasing to you. Father, help us, we pray, to not only hear the word, but to believe it and to seek to live our lives in accordance to it. Teach us, O oh Lord, what it means to trust in and have confidence in our leaders and to submit to their authority. In Jesus' name, amen.